0: Alright, how many of you are, are doing well with resting? <laughs> I hear some snickering. You had a lot of opportunities this week to practice that, right? Rest with the snow that came. I know that for, uh, for the youth group on Wednesday nights, uh, when, we, when there's no school on Wednesday and we're canceled with youth group, that makes it a little bit difficult because then I, I have to watch all of the students on Facebook and they're, they're like, oh man, we don't have youth group tonight, we're so mad. And then there's always that one, one student who's like, I'm praying for more snow. And I'm just like, ugh, I don't like snow. Well, how many of you were here last week, show of hands, uh, to hear Pastor Mike talk about delight? And you've, you've been practicing that. Awesome, awesome, good. Uh, how many of you took a baby step this past week towards Sabbath rest? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody purposely took a baby step? Okay, a few hands, a few less hands. All right, how many of you felt guilty rather than delight when you did rest, when you took some time off and you felt a little bit guilty for that? Yeah. Yeah. How many of you uh, maybe feel rather guilty right now that you weren't able to raise your hand to any of those things? Yeah. Maybe. Okay. All right. Uh, Just checking. Um, There's probably more hands on that one than anything. I have found, I want to be honest, that I have found resting is so hard. It is so difficult to do. And the past several weeks, uh, as I've been preparing for this, and, and, and this is basically part two uh, of Pastor Mike's sermon from last week on delight. And, and this whole time in preparing for delight in this concept of rest, I have felt more guilt and shame and agony and frustration in the whole process because of this. It is so hard to get to the point where we feel delight in rest, would you agree with that? Man, it's hard. And so we, we're constantly thinking through uh, our checklist of our things that we have to do, the things that we have to get done, and it's constantly striving to to feel like we can be accomplished with those things, so that then we can rest. And so this morning we're going to take a look at this. We're gonna we're gonna kind of wrestle with this. Um, you're familiar with if-then statements? The students that that are in like language arts right now, they're like, ah. We can't ever escape this. I love if-then statements. Uh, in fact, right now, one of my favorite verses is Romans 15, 13. That's an if-then statement. If you put your trust in, in God, the source of hope, then he will fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him. I love that. So this morning, Isaiah 58 Uh, We're going to be in this text for the majority of the morning, so if you would like to turn there, uh, you can. Uh, It'll be on the screen as we look at it here in a minute. But Isaiah 58, and we're going to be in two verses, verses 13 and 14. And it is like the longest if-then run-on sentence I could find and so we're going to break it down this morning. We're going to look at it. Um, there is a lot to this. So, so follow with me. Uh, starting in verse 13, it says, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it not by going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, Then, verse 14, there it is, finally. Then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. I love that because it ties so closely with what uh, the the verse that Peter had us look at this morning in, in Psalm 55, and just to cast our cares on him, and he will lift us up, he will take care of us, he will provide for us. Um, and so we're going to kind of break this down. There's, there's several if statements here. And so I want us to kind of look at the first one. The first one, if you keep from breaking the Sabbath. Keeping the Sabbath is it's not just a good idea, it's a command. Now, let's be honest. We don't like commands, do we? Children, when your parents give you a command, take out the trash. Ugh. I don't like that right husbands uh, i 'm guessing i 'm not married, but husbands <laughs> when you're, when your wife asks you to like help with the dishes, right is your response like your kids when you ask them to take out the trash uh, right you like roll your eyes, good, some of you are saying, no, no, right, And your wives are like looking at you with a little eye like, "Oh, we know, like we told you we should have gone to that marriage retreat this weekend uh, <laughs> But we don't like having commands, do we? When our boss tells us to do something by a certain deadline, we're like, "Ah," like there's just that little thing inside us. What if I just told you all right now, I'm not going to do this, but what if, I want you to picture this, what if I told you to just stand up and find another seat? You can take your stuff with you, you can move around, don't care where you go, you just have to find another seat. Another seat in maybe a different section. What if I started putting all these things on it? You can't just move like one seat over because I know how you guys think that's what you would do. You just all move one seat down, right? I'm smarter than that. I work with teenagers. Okay, I said, what if, what if you had to move to another section or another row where you couldn't sit anywhere close to the person that you're sitting next to now? I didn't give a reason. I just said, do that now. How many of you, you would just sit there and like cross your arms and look at me? Uh-uh. I got here early for this seat. <laughs> or I got here late and now I have to sit in the front row. Right? We, we wouldn't do that. We'd feel uncomfortable with it. And probably you would do it because you're like, oh, other people are doing it and so I feel guilty. Okay. Well, what if I told you that I had hidden a $100 bill under the seat and for somebody to have, but that seat was empty right now and so I wanted you to move so that somebody could sit in the seat where the $100 bill was. Then you'd be like, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, let's move. Which seat is it, Eric, right? (laughs) Then it would be okay. I have found so many times that when God gives us commands in his scripture, it's something that he wants us to do, not just because he wants to see if we'll do it, but because there's something beneficial. There's a blessing that's in it for us. It's for our good. Because God is a good God and he wants to give us good things. So, keeping the Sabbath, it's a command. In fact, it's one of the Ten Commandments. Uh, In Deuteronomy chapter 5, we see the list of the Ten Commandments. This is number four. As I was studying this a little bit, I thought it was very interesting that it's after the first three which talk about a relationship with God, not breaking commandments with God. It's a transition command to then the last six that talk about relationships with others. And so I think it's maybe fair to say that keeping the Sabbath is key in having a good relationship with God and being obedient to Him and having a good relationship with others. Uh, It says this, Deuteronomy 4, uh, this is the, the fourth commandment, it says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded. Six days you shall labor in all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. And then he goes on and he explains. He gives some context for it. And uh, you'll like this. It says, On it, on the Sabbath, you shall not do any work. Sounds pretty good, right? You or your son or your daughter. The kids like that one, right? Ha, dad, you can't make me do work on the Sabbath. Your male servant, your female servant, he goes on. Your ox, your donkey, any of your livestock. The sojourner who is within your gates And that is so that your male and female servant may rest as well. So there's all these contexts of not working. You work six days hard. You work hard in those six days for the glory of God for Him. You work hard those six days. And then the seventh day you rest. It's this idea of rest, not working. Resting in Him. Uh, It is a command. But we don't take this command very seriously, do we? In fact, when was the last time that you heard somebody bragging boastfully at at the water cooler in the office about uh, committing adultery? When was the last time that you heard somebody bragging about stealing from someone? Hey, I stole a car this weekend. Yeah, it was awesome. Didn't get caught either. We don't hear that. But when was the last time that you heard somebody boasting about breaking the Sabbath? Maybe it was this morning. When you walked in, and you saw the person in the row in front of you, and you said, hey, how's it going? I said, oh, I'm really busy. I've been working so hard, I haven't had any time to rest, to take a break. In our culture today, that's almost a status symbol of, of saying how busy we are. Right? We've equated being busy with hard working. The reality is, you can be very busy and not work hard at all. Again, I work with teenagers, Right? I mean, you can be very busy and not accomplish anything, not get anything done. And yet it's just a status symbol, or so we think. And here he says, what if you worked hard for, se- for six days and then you just rested on the seventh? You took that day to just celebrate, to spend with God, to do things that you enjoy. There's another if. The second one is if you keep from doing as you please not going your own way not talking idly saying these speaking idle words think about that when we rest what do we do? Well, I'm gonna do what I want I'm gonna do as I please I'm gonna take a vacation If you think about it vacation is is vacating something that means you it's just a diversion tactic you leave you avoid You just get rid of things. You try to do everything to keep things out. But keeping the Sabbath its more than that. It's more than just going to church, right? Oftentimes we've associated in our our Christian culture that the Sabbath is equal to Sunday. And so on Sunday, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to keep it holy, right? And so if I go to church for an hour and I sit and I, I, I... open my Bible and I I pray and maybe I lift my hands when we worship and we sing and I toss a couple bucks in the offering plate when it goes by then check I've completed the Sabbath, I've kept it holy and now I can go on the rest of the day as I please, I can do what I want I got God off my back for another week because I did what he asked me to do and guys I don't think that's how this works I don't think that's what the scriptures are referring to. And so he says, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, it's a command. If you keep your feet from doing as you please on his holy day, it's God's way versus our way. Wow, that's hard sometimes, isn't it? We know the right thing to do, okay? We've been talking about this this Sabbath rest for weeks now. We've heard it talked about. We've heard, you know, challenging messages from the other pastors and hearing them say, it's important to rest. And yet we say, yeah, I know that, but I just can't. I don't want to. It's hard. It's difficult. Even last week hearing Pastor Mike talk about delight, to delight in rest. Isn't it true that oftentimes we feel like God can't delight in me? That's, that's a bad thing. We feel bad about that. We feel guilty about that. And yet we shouldn't. We like to be in control, don't we? In this idea of rest, we think, okay, well, if I get all of this done, X, Y, and Z, if I get all of that done, then I'll rest. Then I'll take some time to do this. And how many times do you find that you never get to the end? It's just this wheel. Um, there are, there's an illustration that I want to share with us and, and I want us to think about it in terms of minutes in a day. Does anyone know how many minutes in a day there are, math majors? 1,440 minutes in a day. Now, if I were to say, I will give you a minute or a, I will give you a dollar for every minute in a day. There will be, I will give you $1,440 every day be a pretty sweet deal right yeah now here's the catch you have to give me thirty dollars back every day that's our deal okay I will give you one thousand four hundred and forty dollars every single day from now until forever as as long as you're on this earth I will give you that much money if you give me thirty dollars back every day would you take that deal anybody's like please I make that in an hour I need your money, right? Everybody would take that deal. That would be a great deal. And yet, when it comes to time, we don't do that deal. We don't spend 30 minutes with God. If we did the, the whole dollar for a minute, there might be days where you'd say, you know what, Eric, I, you're such a nice guy, I like you so much that I'm going to give you $50 back today. And you know what? Tomorrow, I'm going to give you $500 back. Because you've given me so much. Now, there's a flaw in this illustration, I think. And the flaw is this. If God owns all of the minutes in a day and He's given them to us, shouldn't we be giving them all back to Him? Shouldn't we include God in every minute of our day? The Scripture says, pray without ceasing. The scriptures tell us to to include God, that he is the center of everything, that he is the head of everything. So shouldn't we really be including God in everything? And I want to challenge us on two things. First of all, every day, the six days of the week that we're working, what if we took a baby step and challenged ourselves to give God back 30 minutes, to spend 30 minutes in his word, 30 minutes praying to him, 30 minutes listening at the beginning of our day. And I want to challenge us to do this at the beginning of the day because, first of all, if you think, oh, I'll do this at the end of the day, when I've gotten everything done, it's not really resting. And I found it so true that on the days where I spend time with God at the beginning of the day, somehow, miraculously, I still accomplish everything that I need to get done. And the irony, and I've tried this many times, the days that I think, well, I'll do my devotions, I'll spend time with God, I'll rest in Him at the end of the day when I've accomplished everything, it's like I'm working my tail off just to get to that point, and then I'm so tired that I don't do it. Or I never actually get there. The other thing I want to challenge us to do is that on our Sabbath day, I don't care if it's Sunday or Saturday or Friday or Monday, or whenever you want to take the Sabbath, but to take a 24-hour period, 1,440 minutes and give them all back to Him. Include Him in everything that you do for that day to give up the control, to make it about Him. The word holy, where He says keep it a holy day, means set apart. The word holy literally means set apart. To take one day and to set it apart from the rest of the week. To say, this is is a sacred day. It's a day where we're going to celebrate. It's a day where we're going to have fellowship. It's a day where we're going to feast. It's a day where we're going to enjoy, but we're going to count God in. We're going to delight. The third one, if you keep, or if you call the Sabbath a delight. Keeping the Sabbath is more than a list of rules and regulations. Okay, sometimes uh, in the New Testament, especially the, the Pharisees, they had all these rules and regulations for the Sabbath. And Jesus was constantly like, oh, you guys are killing me. This is crazy, right? It's, it's more than just a list of rules and regulations. It's more than just things that you can and can't do. But you have freedom on the Sabbath. It's about celebrating, It's about doing things that you enjoy. Um, There's a a book called Sabbath by Dan Allender. And there are some interesting quotes that I found in there, and I want to read a few of these to you. The first one, he says, is the Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. When experienced as God intended, it's the best day of our lives. It is the day we anticipate and the day that we remember week after week after week. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast play, dance, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, enjoy creation, etc., etc., etc. And I would even add, it's a day where we enjoy one another's company, where we live in community, and where we include God in everything that we do. Because Sabbath is about delight, it's about celebrating. Delight, he says, doesn't require a journey thousands of miles away, to taste the presence of God. Oftentimes we have in our mindsets that we have to get away. Well, I could have an awesome Sabbath with God if I was on the beaches of some tropical island. I would have the greatest Sabbath day ever if I could just go be up in the mountains. If I could just get away. And the principle is not getting away. It's not shutting everything out but including God, counting him in. He goes on to say it doesn't require a separation, or it does require a separation from the mundane. Do something out of the ordinary. We practiced this last night with the praise team. They were here last night practicing, and uh, Chris, the, the adult leader my, of the praise team, and, and Peter and myself, we got together about an hour early, and we were talking about how things were going to go, what we were going to do, the, the schedule, the routine, we are all feeling pretty stressed out. Like, ah, uh, how's this going to go? We don't have all of our regular people here. You know, it could be interesting. And I said, you know what? I told Chris, I said, let's just order pizza. Let's let's just rest. Let's trust that God's in control. He's got this. We're not in control. Let's just celebrate. Let's do something out of the mundane, something out of the ordinary. So I went down to Pizza Hut. I actually saw the McHughes there. They were like, what are you do? you're preaching tomorrow. And it was like, <laughs> it was this awesome time to just celebrate. And we sat out here and ate pizza. And they practiced, they did diligence. But we said, let's celebrate. Let's just rest. Let's do something out of the ordinary. And I can say it was, it was really good to be able to do that. Um, to just rest in God. Psalm 37, which we looked at last week, says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. So often we we look at that verse and we we claim it as, okay, I'm going to delight myself in the Lord and then he will give me what I want. And it doesn't work that way. The concept is commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. In Isaiah 58, there's all these ifs and then you get to the then in verse 14. Then you will find joy in the Lord. There's a key phrase there. Delight yourself in the Lord. Then you will find joy in the Lord. Those three words, in the Lord, are very important. Um... I, as I was, I was thinking about in the Lord, I thought about uh, arrested development. I don't know if any of you guys watched that show, but in the, in the very beginning of the, the show, uh, the dad goes to jail and he tells Michael, his son, he says, there's money in the banana stand, okay? And, and, and he gets excited. Michael's like, okay, well, I got to work hard and we got to sell a lot of bananas and we'll make money. That's what my dad's telling me. And the reality is, you find out later in the, in the show, I hope I'm not ruining this for you, uh, you find out later that the dad literally lined the inside walls with money. There's money in the banana stand. Right? And, it's like, and they actually burned it down, and it was crazy. Okay? But we think that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, then he will give us the desires that we want okay, if I go to church on Sunday morning, then God will give me the rest of the day to, to just watch football and, or maybe mourn the loss of the Chicago Bears or whatever it is. We can, we can spend the day as we please. And God says, no, no, no. Delight yourself in the Lord in everything that you do for this day, for this period. Keep it holy. Set it apart because it's a time of celebration to rejoice in the Lord. And so we need to include him. Keeping the Sabbath is more than keeping everything out. It's about inviting God in. It's not about shutting everything away and and saying, well, I've got to be alone for 24 hours. I've got to go to this dark, quiet place where nobody's going to bother me. I have to, to turn my phone off and I have to turn off all technology and I have to just be in this cave for 24 hours in darkness in order to rest. No it's inviting god in to set apart a 24-hour time period and celebrate to feast to live in community with one another to just laugh and relax to rest in him there's another verse psalm 28:7 says the lord is my strength and my shield my heart trusts In him, and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy. So many times in the book of Psalms, especially, where we hear the word joy, it's directly in in relationship to him, to God. When we rest in him, when we trust in him, we find joy. And I love how this verse says it, verse 14 at the end then you shall take delight in the Lord and I, God, will make you ride on the heights of the earth. He will lift you up. He will help you overcome. He will be your shield. He will be your protection. Not you. When you try to put everything out and create this little window of a day that you've got so that you can be distracted from everything else joys in the Lord. Um, I thought of one other illustration I want to share. When, when we travel, when, when we go on long trips, uh, those of us that have our driver's license, sorry teens, um, those of us that have our driver's license, we like to drive. Uh, men, I think, are especially like this. Uh, when when my parents would always, you know, when we'd get ready to go out for dinner or go on a long trip, uh, my parents would always be like, are you driving? No, I'll, I'll drive. I'll, I'll You always drive too fast. I'll drive. I don't want you to get any speeding tickets. My mom would always tell that to my dad. Still does. Before he leaves, don't get a speeding ticket. It's a command, (laughs) right? We like to drive. Why do we like to drive? We like to be in control, especially when the weather's bad, right? Because we think, I'm a better driver than you. That's basically what it boils down to, I think. We want to be in control, We want to drive. We want to know that if somebody cuts us off, we're going to be able to react to protect ourselves, our family, or the people that are in the car with us. Right? We like to be in control. But isn't being in control and being in the driver's seat pretty stressful? Especially when the conditions outside are less than perfect. It's pretty stressful. It's a frustrating job. And isn't it nice to be able to every now and again just get in the passenger seat, recline it back a little bit, and just rest and not worry. Okay, I'm trusting that the person that's driving is is a good driver. Maybe it's not your teenage son. Kids are like, isn't that a good feeling to just rest? What if we, we applied this to our, our spiritual lives and we allowed God to be in the driver's seat? For at least one day, we gave him control and we said, you know what, God, just take this day. I'm going to have a Sabbath rest. I'm going to delight in you. You're driving, take me wherever. I love on my Mondays, uh, which is my day off, to have Sabbath rest. And I'm being totally honest, it is hard to do this, because on Mondays, there's all these things that I think I have to do in order to catch up, in order to prepare for the next week, or whatever it is, and yet when I take a Sabbath rest, I say, all right, starting Sunday night to Monday night, I'm just going to rest. I don't have any plans, I haven't ironed out my schedule, I haven't said, I've got to do this at 8.30 tomorrow, and then I have to do this at 10, and I've got to be here at noon. Okay, God, where's the day going to go? And on those days, I find, man, I just enjoy spending time in the Word. I find myself watching a good movie, and I like crack myself up because like there's nobody else there, and I'm like laughing at all the funny things that happen in the movie, and I'm like, oh, Nobody's here. <laughs> That's okay. I have a blast. It's so relaxing, and then I find out that it's the end of the day. It's it's Monday night, and I'm like, "Whoa, that went fast." It was such a refreshment. It was so enjoying. It was such a delight. What does your Sabbath look like? Are you purposefully setting apart a time to say, "God"? I'm going to count you in. This day's for you. Do with it as you please. Are you stressed out about your Sabbath day? About trying to rest? There really is some good keys to delight. I love the way that he wraps all of this up and just says, this is from the mouth of the Lord. He has spoken. So we should listen. Sometimes it's easier said than done. Sometimes it's, difficult to put everything else aside and say, all right, I'm just going to enjoy this day. Maybe you should try that today. There's no football on. So take the rest of the day and sit in the passenger seat. If you need to, when you go out to the parking lot, toss the keys to your spouse and say, you're driving. Maybe you need to just go out and get in the car and and physically sit in the passenger seat, recline it a little bit, and just take five minutes. Lock everybody out of the car and say, hey, I'm going to rest. We're going to start the day off right. Okay, let's redo this. Because maybe the drive here wasn't very restful. I don't know. But God knows. He knows what we need. He knows what will help us to take delight in him. So can we rest? just delight to spend a day which just including him inviting him to be in the midst of everything that we do we're not going to work we're not going to worry we're not going to (laughs) feel anxious or anxiety or any of those other feelings for taking a day to rest let's pray god would you help us to do this we need your help because it is so easy to be distracted with things that we have to do with all of the things that, that we know are, are important and God we want to be uh, known as, as hardworking and as busy and all of those things but God would we be able to work hard for those six days for your honor and for your glory so that we could rest for a 24 hour day so we could rest in you so that we could include you, so that we could find joy in the Lord, that we would find delight in you. God, would you help us? Make your presence known to us in a very real way today as we rest in you, as we enjoy and celebrate your company. We pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. We have uh, sang that song at Momentum, our youth conference. And uh, I was reminded as we were singing about, uh, there was a time where Francis Chan, was one of our speakers, was on stage. And he had one of his kids with him. And during the, the preaching time, during the lesson, his, his daughter just kind of wandered up on stage. And he, he picked her up and uh, he would just looked at her. And there was like 3,000 people there. And he just looked at his daughter and he said, what's wrong? And she goes, nothing, Daddy. I just wanted to be close to you. And he asked her in that moment, he said, are you worried about anything? Is everything okay? And she goes, no, I'm not worried. Everything's fine. And she goes, I just wanted to be near you. And I love that picture. And then he turned to the audience and he said, does your relationship with your heavenly father look like this, where you just want to be near him? You're not worried about anything in his presence, So as we leave this morning, I hope that we'll just continue to delight in our relationship with the Lord. We have the praise team sing that song again as we leave. And if you need to just rest, if there's something heavy on your heart that you need to give over to the Lord, then please talk to somebody. Come talk to myself or somebody to come up front and we'll pray with you. Uh, But Have a good week uh, and I hope to uh, see you back next week.